I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello listeners, Tim Sylvie here. Today, I was going to be flying solo, but I've roped in a a friend and colleague and uh, various, I don't know, we've known each other for a while now, Lizzie. Um, I'm going to bring in a um, a special host, a co-host who we've only decided is going to be a co-host about five minutes ago because um, we've had some tech issues today that's, that's meant we've had to redo this podcast two and a half times. And I got Lizzie to introduce our guests because they know each other for reasons that we'll come on to. And she did such a good job. I said, why don't you co-host with me? So here we are. Lizzie, how are you? Welcome to your first ever Motormouth podcast hosting experience. How are you feeling? I mean, what an honor and a privilege to be co-hosting with you today, Tim. And I'm a big advocate of flying by the seat of one's pants. So I'm super excited about this. Anything could happen. Anything could happen and it probably will. (laughs) Um, uh, Lizzie, while we've got you... um, we were going to thank you anyway and bring you on for a short time just to say well done and thank you for, on behalf of probably women um, uh, groups, under underrepresented groups for doing so much for those individuals through Maserati MSG and its previous guises. So thank you for that. And thank you for all your efforts in, in providing us with guests on the podcast, including today. So thank you. Oh, you are most welcome. And thanks so much for mentioning the work that the team's been doing in that field. It's so important to us, not just female empowerment. Obviously, we've just had International Women's Day, um, not just empowerment in general, but also using the incredible platform that we have as a global motorsport team to raise awareness around underrepresented groups within our industry. It's super important to us. So thank you. And also, always very happy to be your guest booker, Tim. I know that I've brought quite some yeah. quite some people to this podcast, including Lucas Degrassi and Jerome D'Ambrosio. And I think Edo's maybe yes. even done it at some point. Yes. But yeah. the next person is going to be an incredibly special person. So I'm super excited. Uh, Well, on that note, why don't you do the honours and uh, introduce today's guest? 
And it is an absolute honour and a privilege to introduce this particular lady who is somebody that's not only a colleague, but she's also a very dear friend. Uh, The person I'm talking about is, of course, Anastasia Fowler, who is our general counsel for Maserati MSG Racing, has been so for over four years now. Um, In addition to that, a woman of many talents. She's also a partner at Shoesmiths, um, an incredible law agency in London. And in addition, even more impressively than both of those two things combined, Anastasia is also the first ever female director of the Grand Prix Drivers Association, a fact me even more impressive when you consider she's the first ever non-racing driver to hold that position. So it's a huge honor to introduce this incredible trailblazer. Well, look at that. What a pro. What a pro, Lizzie. Anastasia, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. How are you? Where are you joining us from today? Thank you very much. That introduction. Wow. Where do we go from there? I don't know how we can top that. So I'm very grateful. And thank you, Lizzie. And thank you, Tim. Very grateful to be here today. I am joining you from a cold and rainy Cambridge um, at the moment from my home office. Not a million miles away from me. I was in Cambridge or just outside Cambridge the other day picking up my new puppy. So um, the uh, the nine week old Pippin is hopefully uh, hopefully asleep in her in her cage and uh, I'll go and visit her after this. So um, you're not a million miles away, about an hour down the road. So let's um, let's take it all the way back, Anastasia. Um, you had a relatively unusual upbringing as I now know, after talking to you earlier this morning before the technical gremlins knocked us off track. Tell us about your early life. What was life like for you as a youngster? Well, I was born in the Bahamas and lived there till I was 12 years old. So life for me was a wonderful, carefree, outdoor life. Um, Lots of swimming, uh, climbing trees, uh, going to the beaches, going on boats. And yes, going on boats, it wasn't something that the aristocracy do. In an island, uh, a lot of people do have boats. And, and ours was not a, a, a swanky um, uh, motorboat. It was very much, uh, uh, well, I'll give you the name of the boat. It was our bucking boat. Um, and didn't even have any outboard engines, an inboard engine, diesel engine or something that uh, constantly, uh, you know, breaking down with people working on the engine at the dockside more than ever going out on it. But there are some really fond memories, some great fishing trips, some great trips to the beaches um, and really good family times that I can remember. So it was a really carefree childhood. Uh, and I do treasure that. Anastasia, I know that obviously after being in the Bahamas for the first part of your life, you ended up in the UK and presumably a lot of people want to know about career pathways when there's women working in motorsport in high powered positions like yours. Your career pathway must have been studying law? It was, almost wasn't, but it was. So I did study law. I actually wanted to be an actress, uh, but about 15, 16, I got this serious head on me and I decided that's a crazy thing to do because that's not going to pay the bills or the mortgage. Um, and I needed to think of something that would actually do that and give a guaranteed income. So I got very serious and decided that I would pursue a career in law, despite the fact that I had actually been in a, a TV uh, ad um, in, in the late 80s. Um, so I uh, took my acting career away and decided to pursue the books instead. Can we can we just linger on that for a moment? <laughs> so so is is this ad presumably it's out in the ether somewhere? It's got to be it's U- in the YouTuber. ether somewhere. Mm, it is interesting. I think there's going to have to be. Some tr- it was a trilogy, actually. Oh, wow! 
I wonder what it was for. So, uh, but Tim, Tim, having worked with Anastasia for a good few years now, trust me, if there's something out there that she doesn't want people to see, you won't be able to see it. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, we're, 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 we're dealing with a lawyer here. This is going to be difficult, isn't it? Um, yeah, my investigative uh, talents probably don't beat your your talents of of hiding what what you've done on some advert in the <laughs> uh, in the nineties or whatever it was. Um, now, um, after university, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, motorsport. When does that come on the radar? What, what were you a fan? Are you a fan? H- how did that first show itself? It probably first showed itself when I was about 12, 11, 12. Uh, and it definitely was a thing for me. I followed it. The, the, the rest of my family never did. So I don't know how I happened ac- across it. Turned on the television maybe one afternoon, saw the motor racing and thought, wow, this intrigues me. And it really intrigued me from an early age. Uh, just because it held so much promise. And I, and I really, there is no one thing in particular. I never hankered to be a driver or an engineer. I never thought I was going to be a broadcaster. It was just something about the sport that drew me to it. And it's a, it's a mixture, and it still does to this day. And I'm sure to all of us who are sitting here right now in terms of motorsport, it's, it's a mixture of, of highly specialist skill sets, of, techni- of technical skill sets, from the technical regulations to the sporting regulations. It's the passion and the raw talent energy, excitement, the competitive drive. You know, remember in the days when I first started watching the Senna and Prost battles when they're closely battling together and driving, it's just, and then you have the secrecy and, you know, with the Concord agreement and things like that and espionage and the various different spy gates or whatever it might be. There's, there's a magic of motorsport and there's a reason why every one of us are drawn to it. And for the people that work in this industry today, why they leave their families and friends behind for how many weeks in a year and travel around the circus of, of motorsport to all the tracks and circuits, they don't do that for a paycheck. They do that because they love the job and there's something that draws them to it. And the volunteers, you know, the marshals and all these people that do these things. And I'm looking at you both now and I know that you have the same passion too because otherwise we wouldn't be here talking about it. I'll tell you uh, one one curious incident that that i was lucky enough to witness was i used to work with um, ing bank who um, sponsored the Renault f1 team from about 2007 to 2009 and it was i think it was it was 2009 when nelson pk jr came onto the straight and crashed in a straight line and um and and that was a huge controversy at the time um and uh and and there was a lot of legal shenanigans that came into the sport off the back of that and people lost jobs and um, names were dragged through the mud it's a fascinating fascinating industry and I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to more of that a little bit later on um, when you were growing up by the way did you have was there anyone you looked up to is there anyone visible that you sort of thought I want to aspire to be like that or or perhaps it was a family member or someone in the media was there anyone that really stood out for you hands down my mum like the shadow of a doubt. So I had people that I followed when I was young. I had idols, you know, that came and went and, you know, whether it's the, the latest rock band or sports personality and I admired them. And I took from that their ambition and drive and tried to assimilate that within myself. But the true hero was really my mum who, who taught me everything and told me to, you know, when I was low, I could do it and to keep continuing with all my dreams. There's nothing quite like our mums, is there? Honestly, there's nothing, nothing quite like the support of your mum and support of your family. And I guess after university, studying law at university, you then went into uh, not agency life, but law firm life, right? Where did you start out? 
I started out in a local firm uh, near Cambridge, um, well, in Cambridge, actually. And uh, when you're uh, starting out in your law career, you do a, a training contract or article clerks when you go around in different departments for six months. And I saw this department there that I thought, well, I would like to work there. It was the IP department, which was intellectual property law, which is copyrights, trademarks and brands, all the sexy stuff. I, I didn't fancy doing the wills and probates or the conveyancing. So I... I, I gravitated towards that department, got to know them and um, managed to do six months stint with them and, and get a job afterwards with them when I qualified. Um, and that's where it started, I suppose. I might have always had the interest in motorsport, but it wasn't quite sure how to, to mix the two together. My personal passion and interest, how do I mix it with a job that I'm doing that isn't you know, driving a car or being an engineer? I couldn't see how to marry the two. But we had a client, uh, I still do, uh, Mercedes-Benz, the automotive side, not 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 team, not the um, motorsport team. Um, and we did all of their IP works, all of their trademark work and everything. And we, we, we worked really, really closely with them. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of work from an automotive side, which then eventually, as we'll come to, took me to, to motorsport. Well, it, it did indeed. And, and, and Red Bull came calling where you joined as legal counsel to cover maternity. Tell us about your role there. That must have been quite an experience working for, for one of the giants of Formula One. It was a wonderful experience. And timing is is always key and everything. And I joined at a great time, at least from a lawyer's perspective, maybe not from a driver's perspective or, or, or other people, but from a, a legal perspective, it was a great time. It was when Daniel Ricciardo was there, uh, Sebastian Vettel, and then latterly Max Verstappen. So part of my remit was to try and convince Sebastian to stay with the team. Uh, I didn't do very well with that, but um, um, there we go. Um, and then also to try and uh, get Daniel Ricciardo his points back from the 2014 Australian Grand Prix, where he was disqualified for fuel flow meter irregularities. Um, and, and that was a really interesting case. So as a, as a lawyer working in motorsport, these cases don't come along that often. You'll have lots of uh, appeals and they're dealt with with the stewards, but they don't often go to the International Court of Appeal in Paris. This case did. Um, so off we trundled uh, with... Uh, Christian Horner, Adrian Newey, Paul Monaghan, all in tow on the Eurostar, uh, making our way to the court uh, and to the hearing where we were debating these issues um, uh, in the courtroom. Um, it was everybody there. There were some other teams there also observing. We were given one day um, to present this case, including cross-examination. And to give you some, exam uh, you know, some idea of whether that's a long period or short period, in a UK court litigation scenario, in the UK, uh, in the high court, that case would have probably lasted for two or three weeks. So one day, and of course, being typically French, we had lunch. So it was very nice. So we had lunch in between and probably coffee to start with and a little break as well. And the whole case was dealt with and, you know, in, in a day. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that there was some chap in the corner with his little notepad making the writing the judgment out as we were talking. But um, it was very swift justice. So I suppose, you know, a lot of lawyers complain how things are, are delayed. This was a very quick meted out justice, not the result we wanted, but um, there we go. So as a lawyer, that's very exciting. Um, the second thing was also that as a memory of mine is, is, is drafting Max Verstappen's contract um, <clears throat> when he joined Red Bull. I can remember it vividly at the time because it was actually during the summer holidays and I was driving with my family, a uh, young child at the time in the back of the car, and we were driving to Spain. And as anyone might know, geography, England to Spain is, is, is not that close uh, and takes some distance to travel in a car. 
Um, so Helmut Marco, Dr. Helmut Marco, was was calling me on my mobile saying, are you there yet? Because he was desperate for me to get there so that I could start <laughs> drafting the contract or sending it across or emailing. I said, no, Helmut, I'm not there. I'm still in France. Yeah, okay. All right. Hang up the phone. Half an hour later. Are you there yet? No, I'm not. I'm still in France. France is quite big. You know, so eventually I get to Spain. I get the laptop. We crank it up and we start drafting. But as a lawyer as well, I didn't ever dare tell him that obviously uh, Max was a minor at the time and drafting a contract, a Formula One contract for a minor, did put a lot of pressure on me um, from a legal point of view as I, I wasn't entirely comfortable with, with, with how that might be uh, framed. Nonetheless, uh, good to say that many contract iterations I'm sure have passed since mine. So um, I'm hopefully fine. There will be no lawsuits landing on my desk anytime soon. <laughs> Well, let's let's definitely hope that's the case. Yes. Um, after after Red Bull, you stayed in F1, taking on a role at Manor. How did that come about? And can you talk a little bit about your role there? Because it seems much more diverse than just legal. You were across everything from compliance, comms with the FIA and FOM, sitting on the board, dealing with litigation and driver contracts, and even marketing strategies. So how yes. do you how do you look back on that time? How did it come about? I love that time at Manor. So first of all, just to give you some context to anybody who's not familiar with the industry from a legal point of view is that you can't work for two teams. So the opportunity for Manor came about um, and I was really excited with that opportunity for myself. And it's a small team. Being in a small team enabled you to be agile, to make decisions. You weren't laid down with the bureaucracy of a, of a large organization that had to go to Fuchsel or Stuttgart or wherever to make its uh, corporate decisions. We could make we could be sat in a meeting five o'clock on a Thursday evening and then, you know, eight o'clock the next morning, we've implemented that decision. And sitting on the executive committee board was fabulous because it gave me an insight beyond legal. And this is a frustration that I'm sure maybe other legal people have in motorsport as well, is that we're not just legal. And I, I never, you know, I want to be an actress. So um, wanting to do something and step outside of my comfort zone and do stuff on the business side. So this was such a great opportunity. And, and people in the meeting looked at me, you know, thought I might have some view, you know, what do I know about CFD? What do I know about tire degradation? You know, what do I know? Break by wire. I don't know any of these things, but I have such a thirst to learn. So I think that I can learn these things. I you know, furiously then go off and search on the internet. Well, what does that mean? And, and, and as a lawyer, that's a skill you learn. You get just enough knowledge so that you can have a sort of passing conversation and not like a complete fraud. So anyway, I, I, you know, I, I one of the things that I still to this day do and I love is learning. So it was fascinating for me to be involved on the business side and to learn more about the industry that I love. And that learning continued because not content with sitting on your laurels, you decided to go and be a director or the director of the GPDA, the Grand Prix Drivers Association. And not only were you the first non-racing driver to take up that role, you were the first non-man to take up that role. I'd imagine as a woman starting to make waves in the motorsport industry, that must have been a particularly proud moment for you. It was a wonderfully proud moment. I, I mean, it, it's not often that I do, you know, sort of look back and think, crikey, you've done good, Anastasia. But on that particular day and that moment, I did. Uh, and I still do. Um, it's it's just fabulous. And I'm welcomed with from the directors of the GPDA uh, as a fellow director and also uh, from the GPDA members. All the drivers uh, are, are really wonderful. And it's a great opportunity. It's a lot of hard work, um, uh, but it's a skill set, again, that I thoroughly enjoy because it's it's not legal so um it's everything but legal of course my legal skills help and of course if i need to draft a letter and compose something i can hopefully get that together 
but the skill set is much much broader and I just I, it, I just love that opportunity from the lobbying to the you know the the meetings to trying to find compromises solutions to being aware of the, the sort of the political uh, ambience and environment that we live in and, and, and working within the industry so I, I just love doing that stuff how does that all balance out because obviously I, I... I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I know the audience doesn't know yet, but I know that you're also a mother too. How do you balance that? Not only with the incredible work that you're doing, Blazing the Trail with the GPDA and your work with Shoesmiths as a very valued partner, but also our general counsel for Maserati MSG Racing and Formula E. How do you balance everything? What does what does a, a normal day look like for you? And what are the challenges? It is it is difficult. I, I you know that I'd be you know telling a fib if I said otherwise. And there are always challenges, but. I go back to my passion for my work and how much I love it. Um, and I try to find ways, you know, I, you know, it, it's where I have spare time. I then de- you know, devote that time to my family. I do work probably seven days a week, but, but within that I take gaps out. So I don't treat a weekend as a weekend, but I don't treat a, well, it's Monday at two o'clock. So therefore I must be sat in front of my screen. I manage my time myself. I sometimes there are pinch points when everybody wants something at the same time. But I'm able to be I'm very organized. You have to be very organized to be able to to manage the workload. And when things come in, I'm very clear in terms of the pathway of delivering it out. I manage everybody's expectations, but I've got such a strong work ethic. Um, but I do t- find time for my family. So they probably think I don't find enough time, if, if I'm honest. Um, but I am. That is something as I get older that I'm, you know, I look to address and I try to just shut everything down certain times so I can give them that dedicated time. Yeah, it, it's difficult. It's it's especially in this day and age of, you know, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and, you know, all these different ways of communicating. You can't escape, yeah. you know, that you're literally always on, whether it's the weekend holiday or whatever. And And just to add to that busy schedule, you are also involved with Maserati MSG Racing in Formula E as general counsel. So what is it? you do for them what does that mean for the layman like me what is the general council it's a smorgasbord of everything so it includes from the benign t's and c's review to you know i worked on the the agreement with maserati to bring us together recently which was a wonderful opportunity to to work together with the team and to develop the contracts to put us together in a wonderful uh, team that we are now from the driver's contracts to sponsorship agreements to looking at the gen 3 regulations and the team commercial agreements and negotiating with Fetimar and to with formula e as well so it's it's 
all and everything that lands on your desk and also the HR stuff, you know, you can, you know, from contractors to employees to, to, to you did my contract. I did your contract. <laughs> I did my own. <laughs> now this, I think this is actually, I've, I was just thinking as you were talking over past episodes, and I think this is the first time that I've been in the minority on this podcast. Um, I, I, I'm obviously a man. You two are, as far as I know, identifying <laughs> as women. You've got to be careful. Yes. Your position. Yes. So um, it, it, to both of you, really, I suppose, motorsport has this has been trying to be more inclusive, not just about women, but, you know, um, underrepresented groups across the board. Do you think it's doing enough, perhaps in terms of Formula E and then more widely the the, uh, you know, the Formula One paddock and other forms of racing? Is the sport doing enough to, to both of you? It'd be interesting to get your, your take on it. Um, Anastasia, why don't we come to you first? Sure. Um, yes and no, I suppose. Yes, it definitely is making changes. Um, and the rhetoric has passed, the time for gestures have passed, and the time for action is now. And we do see that movement. You know, obviously, there's been the you know, We Race is One, purpose driven. We have so many initiatives and platforms. We have uh, the, the new uh, F1 uh, Academy, which is being headed up by Susie Wolf, which is fantastic. We've got things like More Than Equal Initiative and various others. And we had the W Series, which for whatever reason, people can talk about in the press as to the reason why that ended. But that was a fantastic opportunity, again, to showcase and to, to be a support race in the F1 to, show, to give that visibility. And outside of motorsport, the timing is, is right. You know, we have women in, in so many sports now. You have broadcasters showing it. We never used to see football matches or rugby matches or hockey matches or anything where women were playing. We never saw that. Or you'd have to go on some obscure, you know, YouTube channel to find it. We are now finding these things in the mainstream. And so changes are happening. And of course, it's easy for me to sit back and say, yes, but it's not enough and we need to do more. But the, the it's not just rhetoric. And, you know, I, I've had a meeting recently with, with Stefano at F1 and, you know, I've seen all the things that they are doing and the actions that they are actually putting behind their mouth, the funding that they're giving, the money that they're putting behind this. And that's just not just F1. That will be in lots of motorsport categories. But there is more to be done and there's more to be done. And, you know, at, at a, but there always is more to be done. So it's very easy for me to critique and say, oh, but we need to do more. Let's think about what we are doing and concentrate on that and focus on the positives. And then maybe in five years time, we look back and reflect and say, OK, was that good enough? Do we need to do more? But there is definitely action being taken. Sure, there can be more. And I think I'd like exactly what you just said, Anastasia, and it's so easy for me to be like what she just said. Absolutely. And I fundamentally agree with everything that you've just said. And I think there's an additional element. Well, two additional elements. One, myself actually working for a racing team. We have a unique platform. And I think with that unique platform comes great responsibility and that we can utilize that in the best possible way to engage and reach out and educate people about the performance to be found in our differences. And that's the second point. There is, we have found, there is science that backs this up, that there is fundamental power and performance to be found in your differences. If you're sat at the table and you look around the table and it's full of people that look like you, sound like you, have the same background as you, you're going to get very similar solutions. And in motorsport, like many industries, innovation is key. Problem solving is key. So for us, it isn't just that it's the right thing to do. Of course, it's the right thing to do to make sure that our industry is, is as inclusive as possible. But there's an extra edge to be gained from that too. And I think that's what people are beginning to wake up and realize as well. It isn't about a box ticking exercise. There is total performance to be found in creating a more diverse workforce. And it's 
insane to believe that you're going to get the best people just from fishing in one area of the pond. And what we really want to do, I think, as a racing team and what the motorsport industry wants to do is acknowledge that there is a huge talent pool out there. And there's a problem with the pipeline. And that's where things like F1 Academy come in so beautifully with the wonderful Susie Wolf, who's no stranger, obviously, to our team. It's about widening that pipeline. It's about making sure that those talents are getting funneled into the right opportunities, connections. It's all about connections and education. So I think you're right, Anastasia. I think there is great work being done. I think there's a huge amount of more work to be done. And I don't think it's just about women. I don't think it's just about gender diversity. I think it's full stop. It's about making motorsport as inclusive as it possibly can be in order to attract and retain the right kind of talent. Yeah. And it's incremental gains, isn't it? Like there's there's little things you can do. Um, something that that uh, one of the companies I consult with has started doing is is removing the need for a degree um, as as part of the, um, the, the 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 job specification because you know automatically you're you're eliminating a huge part of the population that might be very very well qualified in other ways to do a particular job. So you know th- there are small steps that we can all take to try and make sure that our sport is inclusive. But very wise words from the both of you. Now um, Anastasia, you're a high achiever you've done some amazing things you continue to do some amazing things what are you crap at <laughs> directions directions finding directions. my way around <laughs> shouldn't say that really <laughs> i do I'm get there to- don't worry i will get there eventually it'll be a lot of prep work perhaps beforehand so anyone that's due to meet me don't worry i will find my way um leave it to me in the background to figure out how to get there Google Maps. Maps. Yeah. On a more, I suppose, deeper level, I suppose it's uh, doing a bad job, uh, messing up, um, looking like an idiot. You know, similar things I'm sure we all feel. But uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I also know uh, that I had to bully you into doing this, as well as this being my, obviously, my first opportunity to co-host with the wonderful Tim, (laughs) is Anastasia's first ever podcast. So I know that I would definitely say that one thing that you wouldn't consider a strength of yours is talking about yourself or public speaking. So this is a huge leap for you. And I think it's fair to say you're doing a cracking job so far. So imagine if this is something that you think you're terrible at, Anastasia, imagine what's possible. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yes, this is my first podcast. And yes, uh, it's not something, well, I don't know, maybe other lawyers do, but it's not something that's in my comfort zone, that's for sure. Well, I think the, the, the beauty of podcast, though, is that, you know, you're, you're, your, your brain sort of tricks you into thinking you're just talking to one or two people, um, you know, and it's it's quite nice. And I think that's that's part of the, the attraction with podcasts what do you mean I'm not? this sort of nature. What do you mean I'm, I thought I was. Yeah, you, you 100% you are. <laughs> uh, don't freak out. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just a nice environment to talk in. I think it can be quite disarming. I mean, we had Nico Rosberg on, um, good name drop, had Nico Rosberg on a while ago, and he, um, he opened up a lot, which was really surprising to us. I think he felt sort of disarmed, and he started talking to us about his confidence issues. Even when he was battling for the World Championship against Lewis, he was like, I felt, you know, very, very low on confidence. I think people do just open up on the, in this sort of environment. So, um, but uh, as Lizzie says, you're you're doing incredibly well so have have no fear um i'm curious um we're nearly at our final three by the way we'll let you get on with your afternoon shortly but i'm curious what you would say to yourself if you could if you could go back in time talk to your 21 year old self getting going in your career what what would you say to yourself would you have done anything differently i uh, know i don't think i'd actually have done anything differently because um look how i've look where I am now. So <laughs> I think I, I've probably made some good choices. Um, I would say the usual things that we do say is just keep working hard, tenacity, persuasive, um, 
be respectful in the way that you operate, but don't give up um, and just be determined. Uh, and uh, as I've said, I'm sure before, you need to work your socks off because this is an industry that is full of passion and that's why we do it. But it is hard work. It really is. Um, so be prepared to, to do that and to work and, and, you know, just keep going at it. The opportunities that I had in my career were not entirely by chance. Well, they weren't by chance because I created the opportunities. I made the opportunities arise by doing lots of research, finding out what people wanted, what they needed, what they were lacking, finding out about individuals. I even wrote to TPs. I wrote, you know, to various people saying, how can I help? I, I, you know, the opportunity with Red Bull was as a result of me just making direct contact. They didn't know who I was. So these opportunities, if you, if you do it right, you know, they're there to be made and you can do it. I think that tenacity that you just spoke to that has paid off, obviously, in dividends when I look at your career and all of the individual successes that you've had as well and and how incredibly well you're doing. What does it mean to you personally to have such success? And did you ever imagine in a million years that your career was going to turn out like this? (laughs) I'll answer the second question first. Never in a million years. Uh, I was just hoping that I just pass the exams and then maybe get a job afterwards. Um, And uh what was the first question sorry the first question is what what does it mean to you personally to have such success you know those little wins that you have and the big wins that really impress other people like your roles what does it mean to you but you know what you don't often look at your life in a macro level you don't often look at your life in a holistic thing and say as we are today it's not often I look at my life in that way And, and when I do I think that's great you know I have actually succeeded and done some good things we look at it on a micro level and we look at the achievements we've made in that day so did I get the contract out did someone think you know someone say hey Anastasia that was a good job you know well done it's a really basic things that make me tick if I please somebody and I think I've done a good job I love that that is all I need you know that is what keeps me going and and, and drives me to think that I've I've delivered something that might help somebody else that might empower somebody else that might give them a response or an answer that they need so it's those small little things. Did you get through the day? And did you get those things done? Did someone say, yeah, hey, pretty good job. You know, they don't always have to, but that's nice. And it's those small, small elements of recognition that actually mean a lot. Love, love that. Very good. Now, listen, um, we have a final three questions, which we ask all of our guests. They throw up all sorts of different answers. Um, I'll kick off this week. Uh, what's got you excited at this very moment and you can interpret that however you like fabulous well i'm going to say the exciting season of motorsport formula e is underway and is incredibly exciting and seeing the rest of the season pan out is wonderful with these new gen 3 cars uh they're so fast and uh the way these guys are driving around the new tracks as well is phenomenal formula one just started as well so that's great to watch uh you know i i I better get some exercise in somewhere because otherwise i'm gonna be stuck in front of a television um, and of course, the change in the seasons is something I'm quite looking forward to, too, because as you and I all are sitting in the moment in our homes in England, looking outside, it's rather cold, rainy, snowy, miserable. And I'm done with winter. I think I'm quite ready for spring. Yeah. Yeah. Great absolutely. answer. Great answer. I've got a question for you. And it is something that you uh, touched upon a little bit previously in the podcast, but it's one of the final three. How much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time, that alchemy, that chemistry, opportunism of you? And how much do you put it down to downright like hard work, tenacity, grafting? I'd say probably about 80 percent. 
hard work, graft, tenacity, and about 20% luck. There is some timing that is is fortuitous. Did you did you send the email and letter at the right time when the guy was or the woman was ready to receive the email and the offer? Um, actually, I say guy, it probably is guy. Um, so is the timing right? So it is about 80% hard work, 20% luck, but you make your opportunities in life and you make your luck in life. Final one for you. What are you scared of? Okay. Again, I could probably give the bit more deeper answer. You know, I'm, I'm scared of making a mistake, looking like a fool, um, doing a bad job. I'm also could give you the frivolous answer. Of course, most people say spiders. I could give you the real answer. The real answer is birds inside in a house flapping around. That is tragic. That is awful. That has just got me. I'm done. Uh- I love this one. I mean, we, I, I have to uh, confess that this is one question we did get through earlier before the, the technical gremlins killed us off. And I, I explained then about my, my wife's aversion to birds, full stop. And then having them indoors just makes it even worse. And we did have one that the cat brought in, a moorhen that crapped everywhere, blood everywhere, <laughs> feathers everywhere. Uh, it was disgusting. And I was in the Middle East. I was working at the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi, helpless. And Chloe's calling me going, get back here now. I'm like, I'm in Abu Dhabi. I don't know what to tell you. So I, I have sympathy for your your fear of, of indoor flying birds. P- yes. Presumably, hell, hell for you would be walking into one of those, um, what do you call it? Avery. An, uh, an Avery. Yes. Would, that, that at a zoo or something would oh, just be... Throw in a couple of spiders and I'm done. That's it. Yeah. It's all over. <laughs> But put you in a room full of Formula One drivers where you need to tell them who's boss and you're absolutely fine. All fine. That's that's all brilliant. And thank you so much for joining us, both of you, actually. Lizzie, thank you for co-hosting and jumping in at the 11th hour. Completely doorstepped you there. You had no idea that was going to happen. I think you did an absolute My pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, Anastasia, thank you as well for being um, such a a fascinating guest. All the best with everything for the rest of this year, Um, whether it be in Formula One, Formula E, or all your other exploits that are going on. I hope you enjoyed your first experience of a podcast, and um, I'm sure we'll see you soon. I did. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MNTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too. So make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.